In the name of God, whose power working in us is doing far more than we could ever ask or imagine. All right, so in the gospel I just read, did you hear our love thy neighbor, Jesus? Our turn the other cheek, Jesus? Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus? Did you hear him say, do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I mean, peace on earth, isn't that what we sing and hark the heralds, angels sing? Christmas time, that lovely line, peace on earth and mercy mild. And Jesus bringing a sword, And in case the disciples who he's talking to don't get it, Jesus makes it really clear. For I have come to to set man against father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. This Jesus bringing division, Jesus who we know is the way, the truth, the light, bringing fractures, opening up fissures, causing conflict. That's not quite the vision we like to have. Yet, it is what happens when truth and light encounter falsehood. When light shines on things that we as people and we as a society would rather have hidden. This passage is a second part of Jesus' instructions to disciples. In the first, if you were here last week, which we heard, in this first part, he empowers the disciples to go out and do what he has done with them and before them, to go out and do that. Go out, embrace the weak, be with the vulnerable, heal people, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And the message is, I am empowering you. I am empowering you to be my body in the world. Go out, be my love bearers, be my agents of healing. Proclaim the good news from the housetops. Now this is what Jesus' sword is. A sword of love, a sword of truth, a sword of divine light. And that love, truth, and light cuts right to the heart of what's broken in our world. So today, we actually have Jesus preparing us, preparing the disciples for the consequences of being love bearers and truth bearers. This is the reality check. The world isn't necessarily gonna welcome change. Entrenched discrimination, oppression, and injustice isn't going to go away easily. In most cases, there will be backlash. There will be resistance. And it may be painful. Now, this pushback can happen at a family level. Imagine a family struggling with addiction, having a loved one addicted, trying to reflect that truth of this is not the good way. Or imagine being the addict, the alcoholic, 
standing up, getting clean and sober, having to encounter the world anew where everything that had been around alcohol or drugs now can't be. Or take interracial marriage. It was illegal until 50 years ago this past week. And how many families rejected and sadly are still rejecting today a son or a daughter who has fallen in love with someone of a different culture, a different skin culture, color? What about coming out? Gay, lesbian, bi, trans, or marrying someone of the same sex? So challenging for many families. Mothers and fathers pitted against daughters and sons, yet in the core, the truth of love, it happens. And we as Christians, we're all called to live into divine truth. Jesus tells the disciples at the beginning of the reading I just did that every secret will be known, that everything that's covered up will be uncovered. And Jesus knows that the revelation of these secrets, uncovering of truth as painful as truth might be, isn't easy, and that peace isn't a given. The opposite of peace is often the first reaction. And this plays out at a societal level as well. Civil rights, LGBTQ rights, environmental justice, economic justice. And this very week, it played out for a few members of our congregation. They took part in uh, an action around World Refugee Day. They went with a number of pilgrims on an interfaith pilgrimage up to an immigration detention center way out in the desert. They stepped out in love simply to meet one-on-one -on -one with detainees, to bear witness to justice, to be listening, compassionate ears of love. And it had all been prearranged. But right before these love-bearing, truth-telling pilgrims arrived, Powers that be put the facility on lockdown. They kicked out families who'd made the expensive and hard trip way out into the desert to see their loved ones. They blocked families who were arriving at the same time as the pilgrims from going in. Over 30 clergy and dozens of lay people bearing the sword of truth and love encountered the painful consequences of trying to share that love. Now this gospel was written in the first century when the first followers of Jesus were persecuted and stoned to death. Many were rejected by their families. So this seemingly harsh passage uses the example of families to actually provide comfort. If you reread it at home, you'll see it sprinkled with Jesus saying, have no fear, do not fear, do not be afraid. I love you so much, I care for every hair on your head. You are precious. So the question then is how do we sustain ourselves? How do we go out into the world being these love bearers and truth bearers, this light of Christ, when it means potentially triggering fear and hostility and rejection.
What we need to do is to plug into the larger body of Christ as much and as fully as we can. And that's what we're doing this morning. All of us here plugging into God, into the body of Christ. We are collectively the body of Christ. And this is where we get fed by God's love. This is where we are strengthened by the lifeblood that flows among us in worship. We feed on the bread of life, the cup of salvation. Here we turn over our fear and our brokenness, our pain to God. And this is where we reconnect with the peace and the love that God freely offers each and every one of us. No exceptions, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are. We are beloved creations, creatures of God. And one of the most beautiful ways that we feed ourselves and each other is through music. And today, we have an incredible experience. It's Choir Sunday of being fed by music, not just by the choir, but by all of us. We've had a rebirth, a resurrection of music in this congregation that has moved me many times to tears. The marriage of music with holy texts full of emotion and theology and, or maybe scripture, it pulls us out of our minds and into a bodily connection with one another through sound. We are united listening to that amazing Gloria the pace and the rhythm of our own breathing becomes the pace and the rhythm of the person sitting, singing next to us. The breath of God is coming into us and out of us through our collective voices, it's transformed into a prayer, into a song. And science confirms this. I love it when science proves what those of us of our faith tradition have known maybe for a couple millennia. Recent study looked at the heart rate of singers while they were humming a single tune, a single tone, while they were singing a hymn, and while they were chanting. And when the singers sang in any one of those forms, together, their hearts accelerated and decelerated at the same rate. I mean, talk about becoming one body, one unified heartbeat, lifting up the weak, calming down the racing, the body of Christ. And how many of us have felt better after singing or after hearing singing? Well, it turns out, for any of you with heart issues, that science has confirmed this too, because a study looked at electrocardiograms of both amateur and professional singers and found while they were singing across the board cardiovascular physiological fitness improved. And amateur singers reported an increased level of joy and elatedness now, I would argue that the professional singers were already in that space of joy and elatedness, so it didn't look any different than what they were doing. But boy, I would love to see a study where Jesus was in that mix. 
Imagine studying what happens in the hearts of people when it's in the context of worship. And I'd lay odds the findings would be more pronounced, whether in the pews or in the choir. Singing unites us as one body, and it also unites our body to ourselves. When we sing, our left brain and our right brain unite. There's studies that have shown that the analytical part of us, our left brain, the, the very verbal, the part that organizes information, merges with the right brain, the part of the brain that's imagistic, nonverbal, and we become whole as God created us to be in God's image. And in this way, through all that we do in worship and all that we do through song, we are strengthened and we go out from here to encounter the challenges of this world. So let us go forth. Let us be the love-bearing, truth-telling swords of Christ. Let us cast our fears of hostility, backlash, and resistance onto Christ as he invites us to do. Let us breathe them out with song, with prayer. Let us feed through our ears on God, through communion on God. So fill us, dear Lord, with songs in our hearts, songs on our lips, that we may do the good work you have given us to do. Amen.